Welcome into the Evolution Podcast, episode number 182 with Kirk Kellerhalls. My name is Jeff Bayless. You can follow me on Instagram at Jeff Bayless underscore. And as always, if you get anything out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate a review, a like, subscribe, a share, all that stuff, or maybe just, you know, shoot it out to somebody that it might resonate with. This episode, Kirk, uh, boy, he has like such a remarkable story and I don't want to steal too much of his thunder coming in, but you know, maybe just think of one area of your life where there's something that needed to be noticed and then something that some action that needed to be done uh, or some minor course correction, course trajectory change that could have been made in the form of a positive coping mechanism. Uh, we talk about PTSD, we talk about fitness, we talk about a lot of things and, and a lot of the work that Kirk is doing and uh, definitely guarantee to have Kirk back on to talk more about the organization and the work that he's doing. So come into it uh, maybe with that, uh, you know, in, in the forefront of your mind and uh, enjoy. All right. Hey, Kirk, man. Hey, uh, new intro. And, you know, like we said in the green room, like before we came on the show, I just, you know, I, I could already get a good feel that this is going to be a good conversation. So before we got too in depth, I want to just go ahead and hit record because a lot of times, uh, you know, it's more authentic and more fresh if it's just kind of in real time. So thank you for taking the time. Sure. Uh, I know we kind of bounced back and forth and it's been a few weeks before we were able to connect. Uh, and I look forward to grabbing a run with you. Uh, but for the purposes of, you know, this conversation, you know, I guess I'll just start with, you know, what are you excited about right now? Like, you know, what, you know, George connected us, right? So, you know, let, let's start in with that. And then we'll kind of go back into the history and, and, and into the archives here and kind of get your story. But, you know, tell us what you're excited about right now. Sure, sure. Well, right now, I'm really excited about the fact that I'm um, co-founded a, a foundation here locally in Norfolk. Uh, just recently based on uh, many events in my life and one of the main programs that we have is a program that gives back to active duty military and to veterans who have experienced combat and because of being in combat they're experiencing the negative emotional and mental effects that that war can have on, on the warriors so what i've done is uh, taken a program and used my passion for fishing boating surfing everything we do here on the east coast uh, to try to provide those kind of activities to uh, the veterans and active duty you know, military that can use that opportunity to get out there and and not only have the distraction from the things that haunt them, but also to give them uh, a real per first person point of view of the beauty, the beauty that still exists in this world and that there's still good things to do and there's still ways to pursue that feeling of, of feeling good and feeling alive again. So that that to me is the most exciting thing that we've got going on with this foundation with this new mission that we're launching right here in the Hampton Road. And what's that foundation called? And is there, you know, I, I mean, I, I can link stuff in the show notes, but, you know, how, yeah. how would somebody, yeah. you know, because a lot of military folks listen to this, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, folks that are kind of tuning in are veterans and a lot of them are abroad too as well. But I'd say a, a good portion are here local. So, you know, what, how, how can we point somebody to that organization? It's called the uh, Sea Coast to Coast Foundation. We call it C to C for short, S-E-A, the number two, and then the letter C for short. Um, and if anyone wants to get a hold of us, you can contact me at um, Kirk, K-I-R-K, at C to C.org, or if they just want general information, info at C to C.org. Right on. Yeah. And then also, I mean, I know we're going to get into a lot of the, the backstory, but also know, you know, there's a lot of 
running uh, likeness that that we have, right? So, you know, I guess at some point we'll get to that story about, you know, how running has helped you. But uh, I think there are, you know, a, a few friends of mine over at Little Creek uh, and I started a, a similar program with the USO, uh, you know, just trying to help people find purpose and, uh, you know, kind of rebuild through moving their bodies, right? You know, and, and to sure. steer them away maybe from negative coping mechanisms. So, uh, so how did you get into that, man? Um, are you talking about C2C or running? All of it. Yeah. I mean, how, how did that evolve? Oh, like okay. maybe, maybe go, you know, oh, wow. start from scratch here. Like just hook us up with the, you know, the, the, sure, sure. uh, well, I don't know. Starting from scratch will take us back a little over 50 years, but that's kind of where it all started, uh, as far as East coast to coast and how things kind of evolved. Um, I was born in 1969, the summer of 69. So yeah, Brian Adams' song is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in 1969 and I was born in uh, Da Nang, Vietnam, near the tail end of the war. Uh, I ended up in an orphanage. And when I was about two to two and a half years old, I was adopted by a uh, army major that was serving in a combat role over there. Uh, and I know at the time I was adopted, um, the, the belief was that I ended up in the orphanage because my birth mother and my birth father were killed during the war. Wow. Uh, with my birth mother being Vietnamese, my birth father being uh, a service member who was other than Vietnamese, didn't know, you know if I was Caucasian or what the other half of it, didn't know. Uh, so anyway, I grew up uh, with military lifestyle uh, my entire childhood. I uh, got to travel all over the world. Um, you know, every two years was being told where, where we're moving, how long we're going to be there. So it's like hitting a reset button uh, every two to three years. So grew up with the military background. And because of that, I've always had a very profound, uh, deep respect for for our country, our flag, um, everything it stands for, and, and the service members that uh, you know serve in that capacity to maintain our, our freedom and our, and our lifestyle. So I've always, I've always grown up with that. Uh, but I can tell you that when I graduated high school and was getting ready to go into college, um, there was a big push from uh, my father, of course, to either pursue a career with, uh, with military through ROTC and get my military uh, officer's commission or to pursue a career in the federal government uh, with the FBI or something. Uh, but the problem with that was with after a uh, childhood, you know, growing up in my teens and graduating high school with a military background, uh, with a, a you know, military you know, army colonel who was very strict <laughs> with our household, and rightfully so, um, I wasn't ready to really go down another path of uh, being told what to do. So I kind of rebelled, uh, partied, and uh, didn't do so well in college and started uh, thinking what I wanted to do with my life. Um, at that point, I still had that very innate uh, desire to serve. I still had that um, that need to to give back to my country, and, and that's something that I, I you know I attribute to my father uh, for for investing those uh, values into me. But I decided at that point that you know the next best thing to serving without being told where I could live and how long I could live there was to go into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went through uh, a police academy in Texas, uh, got my um, law enforcement certification, ended up moving to Tennessee, and then had a 12-year career up there around the Nashville area in, uh, in Tennessee for 12 years. So I where, uh, where in Texas and why Texas? Well, Texas, because uh, the last tour of duty my father had before, uh, his final tour of duty in Korea was in uh, Nacogdoches, Texas at Stephen F. Austin State University. He was the uh, professor of military science there. So okay. when, okay. Um, I, yeah, when you left Texas, I was, I was at the end of my high school career, or career, <laughs> high school education. And uh, I still have a lot of friends in Texas, so uh, against my father's wishes, <laughs> moved back to Texas so so I could hang out with my friends and, and go to college. Yeah, right on. I'm I'm from Texas, and uh, the wife and I just came back from Nashville running the uh, half marathon there. So oh wow, both wow. Both, uh, both very close to the boat there. So okay. yeah, 
Very cool. Okay, so then then on to Nashville to commence your law enforcement career. Yep, yep. Served served a law enforcement officer for uh, twelve years. Uh, did everything you could almost think of in that career. Uh, started as a patrolman. Um, moved on as a field training officer. Uh, went into narcotics and worked as a, a narcotics detective for the better part of six years. Uh, just about in every role and capacity there, and then uh, was promoted to sergeant over the patrol division. And then uh, after 12 years um, with the toll that was taking on my marriage, it was one of those things where I had to make a decision whether it was going to be uh, the family or, or the career at that point. So I decided to go ahead and uh, leave law enforcement and finished up my degree in public journalism and uh, did a stint with Fox News during that time period and then uh, been working with the city of Virginia Beach um, ever since the news career. Um, hmm evolved into 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 a new job so i've been working now in government uh, i work i currently work the uh, work with the city of virginia beach in the uh, communications department under the city manager's department and that's uh, where i've been now for the last almost 12 years wow okay all right well i mean that's definitely you know hitting the wave tops of you know yeah, uh, yeah. of career stuff and now let's let's get into the meat right like let's get into the to the juicy nectar here you know so yeah, yeah. I know that, you know, just off show briefly, uh, and, and I, I share all facets of my life very openly as well. And, you know, I, I don't want to lead you into sharing something you, you're not comfortable with, but, you know, the, the law enforcement world, much like the military world, and probably what I say when I do this talk that I give to commands around the Navy is, uh, you know, for, for me personally, I'll just speak for myself, you know, I, I had big T trauma in childhood, right? Like very, very uh, profound trauma, uh, sexual abuse, drugs, violence, you know, I saw my babysitter tied up at gunpoint, you know, uh, the undercover cop got shot like down the street from my house, you know, just constant uh, at a young age. Uh, and then, you know, you take that into the military and then it just kind of jams that sea bag just a little bit tighter. Right. And just kind of keeps compressing until finally, you know, the things spill over and you end up with PTSD. Uh, I know we had talked a little bit about anxiety. Um, so, you know, I, I, I certainly, and I say this openly too, you know, like at least in the military, we have training cycles, right? So there's a maintenance phase where you're, you're maintaining the equipment then there's a training phase where you're ramping up for a deployment. And then there's the deployment, which could be six months to a year. Uh, some of the operations are shorter, three months or whatever, but at least there is like a cycle. Whereas in law enforcement, boy, that's, that's every day, right? Like every day you're experiencing the same or the potential for the same amount of big T trauma. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't want to lead the conversation or anything, but, you know, can you talk a little bit about your experience in law enforcement and, you know, kind of how that affected you? Yeah, 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 sure. Well, well, first of all, I want, I want to make sure that it's clear that I want everyone to understand that I would never, ever liken my experience with law enforcement and, and the violence that I witnessed and experienced and even had to visit on others um, with what the military has to deal with, because there, there's no comparing, you know, the daily life of law enforcement, law enforcement officer with, you know, a combat, you know, combat uh, military personnel out in the battlefield. There's just no comparison. I couldn't imagine being in that kind of kind of uh, environment. Uh, so anyway, I want to make sure that you guys understand I'm not trying to compare the two because uh, the military guys are heroes. <laughs> so, but I, but I can't understand to an extent some of the effects of what it is to be uh, exposed uh, to, to violence, to be have to have to, like I said, visit violence on others and, and having to see the worst of humanity. I can, I can understand 
what that's like because um, you know it, people can uh, you know absolutely develop PTSD just from one instance of that. But when you're exposed to it over you know over a decade, um, you don't realize you know the kind of toll it takes on you because when you get into that mind frame of the job and you start seeing some of the things you're seeing, whether it's pulling you know dead body parts out of a car or, or having to tell the parents you know that you know their kid is dead from an accident or or you know having to tell you know domestic violence abuse victim you know that they need to get out of a situation in and they keep going back because they love the person you know being able to see that over and over and over um it kind of calluses you to a lot of the things that you're seeing and you get into that mind frame where you separate the personal feelings from what you're witnessing to where you're i don't want to say you're robotic but you just you don't have a whole lot of empathy uh you get to that point where you don't feel like you have a whole lot of empathy and it's just part of the job you know you write it off as part of the job but what people don't realize, and especially the law enforcement officers, and you know, the special ones that I train, I, I try to make them aware that over time this will take a toll on you, mm-hmm. whether you realize it or not. You you start changing, you become a different person, and, and a lot of times you won't realize that until you you know come across somebody you haven't seen for years, and you have a conversation with them, and you start realizing you don't have a whole lot to relate with. Um, there's just that awkwardness. There's just that you know kind of realization that you're not the same person you were before you got into law enforcement. So those were just some kind of, kind of the smaller things that were going on as far as um, the law enforcement career and, and, and the things that I saw and witnessed that were affecting me. But once I got out of law enforcement, I thought that a lot of those things on those issues would stop because I figured, you know, once you turn that switch off and you're not having to see that violence and seeing the worst humanity has to offer every day, that it would just go away. Right. So the issues that I was having, whether it was insomnia, whether it was, um, you know, dysfunctional relationships or whether it was, uh, you know, relying on on things like drinking every now and then to kind of numb some of the pain or forget things. You just, you know, I was blowing that off as just that's that's just normal. You know, that's you know, I've seen stress or I get stressed out and that's just normal. And everything kind of culminated to the point when in my dreams I'm starting to act out a lot of the 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 memories that I'm having in my dreams with some of the fights that I've been involved in where you know I was literally fighting for my life and I'm dreaming about these things and I'm acting them out in my dreams and you know my wife, bless her heart, she's you know the, the target of that. So once it got to the point where I'm actually physically acting out some of the things in my memory that surfaced in my dreams, um, she made it very clear that at that point I needed to go get some professional help, get some, you know, kind of idea of what was going on. So very reluctantly, um, this was probably about 15 years after I got a law enforcement, I very reluctantly went and, uh, t- and talked to some professionals and found out that I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD. And once they were able to put a diagnosis to that and kind of understand what was going on, they were able to kind of, you know, help me with different ways to work through it. And uh, I found for me that the best way for me to deal with the demons of PTSD was through running. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not fast by any means, but I love to run. I love to get out there. That's kind of my, you know, I jokingly tell people that running is my Prozac. So I kind of leaned on running to kind of help me through, uh, through the issues that I was having with PTSD. Um, that's another one of the passions too that I have is running and you were asking me what passion project I'm working on through the foundation. We're actually bringing a uh, 5k, 10k race series to Oceanview this year. And it's going to benefit the programs that the foundation uh, has that provides emotional outlet for, uh, for service members, active duty and and veterans to be able to uh, kind of leave, leave their, leave their worries on the shoreline. So we can talk about that a little bit later, but 
like I said, there's a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that that's going to take the place for the local folks. That, that's around the time frame of uh, Labor Day, right? Is that is that right? So, kind of uh, October eighth. October eighth is the date for the 2022. Uh, it's called the uh, Ocean View Storm the Bay Race Series. Okay, uh, cool. The inaugural event is October eighth, and uh, we're looking at this being a much bigger annual event after this year. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's two days after my birthday, man. So I'm there. Um, all right, cool. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's back up to, um, cause th this is, I, I love these conversations about, you know, how people come to these realizations because, you know, I think a lot, you know, I, I do a lot of, you know, I watch like these, uh, documentaries, I, you know, this after school program, I'm not sure if you've heard of that on YouTube anyway, like, you know, all of these luminaries and prolific like thinkers and writers and philosophers, you know, they talk about, all of these different ideas, you know, to try to, you know, better your understanding of yourself, right? You know, Alan Watts, uh, just first one that comes to mind, but, you know, these guys really just stuttered, studied a lot of Eastern guys that talked about the idea of just noticing, right? And the first part of, you know, getting better is noticing that something's wrong. Like, hey, I'm beating up my wife in my sleep. That's not normal, right? Hey, I'm drinking a lot. That's not normal. Hey, you know, for me, uh, you know, I'd have panic attacks and I didn't even know that I was having a panic attack, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. just normal, right? Like, it's normal to just, you know, profusely sweat and, you know, need to pull over your car because you're stressed out about your cholesterol or something stupid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess, what were, were there some things that you were ignoring that you weren't noticing? Because I think that's helpful for people that, uh, you know, maybe experiencing something, but it's hard for them to notice, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, you did, you did mention a few, but you know, you kind of, you, you, you got to the point where it was so like you were in the battle, right? You were in the battle space, but was yeah. there, were there, were there smaller things that maybe are helpful to the listener that, you know, you, you kind of passed off? Like, I'll, I'll just give some examples and, you know, I, I shouldn't talk as much on this podcast as I do. Oh, you're <laughs> you know, fine, you're fine. No, you know, some smaller examples would be for me was like, you know, obviously running is a great coping mechanism and uh, exercise and outdoor activity, moving your body is a moving meditation, but there were a lot, you know, I took it to the extreme, man. I mean, like 120 mile bike rides, you know, Ironman triathlon, like just really over rotated on the, the exercise, definitely over rotated on drinking. Uh, you know, my career, I over identified in the military, like, so that, you know, my goal was to make captain. If I didn't make captain, then boy, that, you know, that would just be everything took a back seat because that was giving me validation. Right. And I didn't notice, you know, how that was affecting my family. Uh, you know, what, what, there was just a lot of bells and whistles that I, that I wasn't noticing. And then in, in, in the rear view mirror, I can look back and say, man, there were so many times when somebody made a comment like, Hey man, like, really, you're, you're going to miss your, you know, your kid's softball game to go like do this race, you know, like you're going to, you're going to skip that for that. Right. Like, or, you know, and, and certainly not to take away anything from exercise, you know, I, I love, we, we race once a month probably, um, but there's, there's a, a portion of noticing when something's wrong before it gets to the point where you're beating up your wife in your sleep. Is there, is there, was there any things that you think you might've like kind of glossed over or missed? I, want, I don't know about glossed over or missed, but I just noticed there was like little nuances of things. We already talked about the insomnia. I just chalked that up to just not being able to sleep well. Um, right. There you go. I think more Perfect. Of the social, more of the, the social settings, especially once I got out of law enforcement and I would hear people talking about um, you know, 
things that they consider traumatic or extreme. And when I say traumatic or extreme, they're talking about like getting a speeding ticket or something like that. And you just, you roll your eyes. And I just felt like I couldn't really relate to a whole lot of what people were saying um, when, when it came to them talking about what they experienced or what they witnessed or what they thought they experienced as trauma and crime and things like that. So I think, I'm not sure if that's exactly related to PTSD, but I can tell you that the social awkwardness was there. Um, twisted sense of humor. Uh, people would say, you know, tell stories about, you know, things that they'd heard about dead bodies and things like that. And there was things I was just like, and I think that was kind of a coping mechanism when I was, whenever I was in law enforcement is a lot of times when we witnessed things like that, there was actually humor thrown around in the inner circle about, you know, you know someone lost their leg in an accident. Oh, we called them stump, stumpy or skippy or something like that. Just stuff like that where the right. sense of humor, um, where things that I kind of found humorous to kind of shield myself from that, people would probably be appalled by. So hearing some of the different conversations, I just felt kind of socially awkward, kind of socially on the outside of things. But I can tell you definitely there was one, um, and I can tell you what triggered and opened the can of worms. I can I can narrow it down to one incident that happened where I suddenly realized that, okay, this something's not right. And it was during one of my training runs. I was running on the boardwalk uh, down in Virginia Beach. This was several years ago. And uh, I was running down the end near 42nd Street. And as I run, ran by this dumpster uh, behind one of these restaurants, you could smell the rotten food in it. And immediately it reminded me of, of a very, very gruesome, gory incident where um, I had to go investigate a very odd smell, which ended up being a human uh, corpse that had been hanging in a house in the middle of August without air conditioning for the better part of three or four weeks. And you can imagine that ripe smell. And when I ran by that and I smelled that, it smelled like that and just instantly like that, I was taken back to that moment and it, it got to the point I had to stop and, and just and rest and catch my breath because I got dizzy. I felt like I was going to pass out. And I literally just sat there. I'm like, how in the world? This was over 20 years ago that this incident happened. And this one smell brought me back to it. Yeah. And it was crazy because it was after that, it was like opening up a can of worms. There were things that I had experienced and witnessed in law enforcement that I had forgotten about. And all of a sudden I'm dreaming about it. I'm remembering it, you know, sights, sounds, smells. Um, these things would just start triggering these memories. And there are so many things that I didn't realize over the over, over the period of 12 years that I saw that I'd forgotten about. And it's not because I have a bad memory, it's because my mind had blocked that out. It. Yeah. Right. And it just took that one trigger, and I, and I don't understand how or why, you know, at 15 years after I got law enforcement, all of a sudden <clears> these <throat> triggers start coming. But uh, after that happened, it was pretty rapid fire as far as the symptoms popping up. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the listener has heard me talk about this before, but it, it parlays well into this conversation about how the, you know, the body keeps the score, right? The body, it manifests in the body first, right? Like I know for me, the anxiety, like it's different for everybody. Uh, you know, you talked about a smell, sometimes other things will trigger, um, you know, the uh, other things will trigger those uh, those feelings, those emotions. And so it's, you know, if you can notice it coming up in your body first, then that can help you, right, to kind of understand and process what's going on. Um, so did, were there any, I guess, like, we, you talked briefly about uh, SSRIs, uh, maybe, maybe before the show, I can't remember if we talked about that while we're recording, but you know, what, what is your, you know, you, you talked about like, you know, running, getting you off the SSRIs basically, uh, what was your experience like with the medication? 
Well, I, I'm one of those. I don't. I don't like taking medicine for anything. I don't even like taking ibuprofen for headaches or anything like that. So when it was it was suggested to try to manage some of these symptoms with medication, I wasn't really too fond about it. But I figured I'd, I'd try to give it a shot because it's certainly better than having to deal with what it you know culminated into a really pretty serious case of PTSD. So uh, there's a couple I tried. Um, one of them uh, gave me suicidal tendencies. It just it made me feel like that there was nothing worth you know living for in this world. Even, even with family and kids, it was just, I just, I just felt a sense of hopelessness. So I, I told the, uh, the doctor, the therapist, I said, look, I, I've never felt this way before. You know, I've had suicidal tendencies before, but not just where you wake up every day and that's the first thing you think about and that's the last thing you think about when you go to bed. So um, he attributed that to the medication and put me on another uh, medication. And I did okay on that for a little bit, maybe for a week. But then after that, it just, it put me in a very lackadaisical frame of mind where I really didn't care about anything. I didn't care if I met my project deadlines at work. I didn't care if my kid was failing every, you know, grade in school. I uh, didn't care if my wife was right or wrong about every argument, which never happens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right on that, at least one occasion. But, you know, I was fine when we were arguing. I would just give up and be like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. That's fine. I'm, you know, you're right. Um, and so I talked to the, the doctor about that and we, he attributed that as well to the medication. I said, look, doc, I'm just I, I, I don't like med medications and, you know, the two that we just tried obviously didn't work. They had bad side effects. I just wanted to get back into hardcore running. You know, I was, you know, running, I don't know, maybe 10 miles a week before all this. And after that, I got back into my normal routine, which is about, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 miles a week. And I noticed that, you know, just the endorphins and that runner's high and just being able to feel like you're back in a good shape and having a good, healthy lifestyle, it yeah. started managing. And, you know, that's been... You know, five years now, and uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. The PTSD symptoms are still there, but they're certainly not as severe as they were, and it's certainly not manifesting itself uh, physically in in my nightmares anymore, like it was. So, absolutely, uh, you know, my fingers crossed that the running and continuing to stay healthy is going to, you know, not only lead to a longer, healthy life, but will also keep these uh, PTSD demons in check. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, there's definitely some science there. You know, with dopamine response, and you know, the the you know, the, the, the chemicals are already in your brain and, you know, moving your body just kind of helps you to, uh, I don't know. It, it just kind of helps release that a little bit. I, I know I'm a hard guy to piss off after a good long run as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I guess, you know, I, I kind of want to wrap this up real quick and, you know, I, I thank you for your time and, you know, I know that, uh, it's kind of hard to share, initially and then eventually like your wounds kind of become your scars right and then they're easier to share and you know i, I appreciate uh everything you're doing in the community uh and i will definitely make that run uh and i'll you know i'll link everything in the show notes but i guess as, as we close out right like i mean we we kind of briefly touched on some really heavy topics uh and and one thing that you know kind of stands out to me is your character right and I, I talk about this in every episode I ask every person the same question you know how would you describe your character and it's because you know for so long I worried about my reputation I worried about what other people thought of me and you know instead I you know if I had just worried about my value system and uh you know my virtues and my character then my reputation and legacy would have taken care of itself so I guess in closing, I'll just kind of throw the cocktail over to you and let you close it out. But, you know, how would you describe your character and, you know, what do you do every day to ensure that that shines through? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, 
I'd say my character is one of wanting to to help. I'm wanting to help other people, you know, whether it's something as serious as PTSD or something as simple as, you know, helping a neighbor move uh, furniture out of their house to, you know, right. to, to anything like that. But uh, I would like to say that, that, I, that I'm helpful and I like to use the, the, my experience and the blessings I've had in this life to, to pay it forward, for lack of better terms, uh, so that, you know, my blessings aren't just a blessing. They become a gift to somebody else. That's perfect, man. Well, I think just by this, you know, short meeting and, you know, you sharing your thoughts and your experience and being so vulnerable, because there is a lot of power and vulnerability, right? You know, a lot of us hardcore pipe hitter guys, you know, we wear this mask of masculinity and it really doesn't help anybody. You know, it really doesn't. In 2022, no matter how old you are, uh, you know, you can still be a tough guy and uh, be incredibly sensitive and, you know, caring and loving and vulnerable and, and these these two energies can exist in the same person. And I see that in you, uh, you know, just in the short meeting we've had, you know, in order to try to do something for your community and, and you know, you're definitely a man of service and that's extremely important. So uh, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you out there on the 8th of October, man. Uh, yeah, you want to just, uh, you want to plug the, the website one more time and then we'll drop off and then I'll put everything in the show notes or. Sure, sure. It's, uh, the website is uh, simply SEA. The number two, the letter C.org, cdc.org. And sometime maybe offline, you and I should talk over beer because how the foundation came into, into formation and why it developed is going to blow your mind. So that's probably for <laughs> another show. All right, <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, how that happened. Dude, you're, you're always welcome. Absolutely. All right, Kirk. Well, thanks, uh, man. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, brother. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, super good dude to talk to. Uh, we have committed to connecting for a beer and a run to see how, uh, you know, the organization is doing, uh, the you know, the, the event that he has created. And I promise that uh, I will have him back on here shortly uh, sometime this summer to discuss. Uh, if you're in the local area, you know, th that... Uh, that organization, which I will link in the show notes, uh, you know, the, the C2C, uh, I think that, you know, that, that organization is going to, it's going to grow and expand. It's going to do a lot of really good things. Uh, so if you're interested in that, check out the show notes, reach out to Kirk directly, uh, or reach out to me. And as always, again, I love you. We will chat next week on the evolution podcast.